Welcome back to the Entrepreneurial Coder Podcast. This is the show where I talk to developers or programmers or coders who are into business of one form or another, and I try to see how they got to where they are and how they do the things they do. So if you are a developer and you'd like to get into business yourself, or maybe if you're already in business and you just want to see where to go next, then hopefully this show has some value for you. This is episode 32 with Randall Canna. Quick announcement, I have just launched my latest teaching focus, which is going to be on security for React applications. You can find it at reactsecurity.io. So if you're a React developer and you wanna find out how to do things like add authentication and authorization to your app, if you want to find out how to harden your front-end React code, then I've got some courses that will show you how to do just that. There are some free course offerings. There are some pro courses. Hopefully you can find something that is useful for you. Head over to reactsecurity.io to check it out. My guest today is Randall Canna. Randall is a senior software engineer and published O'Reilly author and has worked at companies such as Eventbrite and Pandora in the past. She's currently finishing up her second book, A Guide on Helping Developers Land Jobs. Randall, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. I, uh, I've been seeing on Twitter lately that you've, uh, you've undergone a lot of growth on Twitter. You've, uh, <laughs> you've really skyrocketed in your, uh, your number of followers, the amount of engagement you're getting on Twitter. So I, I figured that we could maybe chat about that, uh, chat about your Twitter audience building, uh, why it's important to you perhaps, and then also about your books. You've got, uh, you've got a couple books, so perhaps we can uh, chat about that. But I guess before we get to the books part, let's chat about Twitter. So talk to me about your, I guess, overall strategy for Twitter right now. You're, you're, uh, you've gone up, uh, we were chatting before the show, you've gone from something like 2,000 followers to I think 13,000 now in the last little bit. How did that happen? What's, uh, what's your secret to that? <laughs> so I do have a secret. I took this course on building a Twitter audience uh, by Daniel Vasallo. He has it on Gumroad. And before that, I kind of thought, you know, I hate Twitter. Twitter is useless. And I only used it to kind of connect with friends every once in a while. And after I kind of took the course and I focused on building a little more credibility and providing value to people and just helping others, I got like 8,000 followers in a month, which was insane wow. because, you know, I've been on Twitter for like years now mm -hmm. and I had a solid 300 followers for most of those years. <laughs> so it was mostly focusing on credibility and adding value to other people's lives. Uh, just instead of kind of thinking of, you know, promoting myself or, you know, what I can get from Twitter, I started thinking of how I can give value to others. Mm -hmm. And it was really well received. That's very cool. So um, maybe that's like an important distinction we can even chat about because I've seen um, Daniel's course that he's got and, and he gives a lot of uh, tips about growing your Twitter audience. Everything that I've seen from him makes a lot of sense. And, and he's been on this show before and we've chatted a little bit about this. Um, you know, building credibility, uh, his recipe from what I see is you do something, um, I guess, interesting in real life and then you yes. chat about it on Twitter uh, only after you've gone through that interesting experience uh, yourself so that you're not you know just uh, making it up as it were uh, giving people <laughs> advice right and so uh, that seems to make sense to me is but it seems to be the kind of thing that uh, it's almost too obvious right so I suppose what is the difference between just a person who maybe hasn't done Daniel's course uh, chatting about 
their experiences versus what you can do after taking Daniel's course, being tactical about it and, and really seeing skyrocket uh, type growth. What, what is the difference there? Oh, that's a great question. I think for me personally, before I kind of didn't approach Twitter as something, I didn't think I needed a strategy to be on Twitter. I thought, you know, I'll just post, you know, whatever I'm thinking, whatever I'm feeling, whatever I think is funny. And that, you know, it, it, reach, it reaches some people, but it doesn't kind of reach the same audience. And once I kind of had taken the course, I started realizing it's one thing he talks about in the course, this giving versus, uh, you know, asking right. kind of tweet. And I realized most of my tweets were asking. I was promoting my blog posts before, and I was, you know, asking to join my email list. And I was kind of promoting myself more than I was providing value. And the best thing you can do, you know, is just give value to people and give, give, give. Mm -hmm. And that really connects a lot more. Okay. So what's an example? What would be a good example of like giving on Twitter? Yeah. So one uh, tweet that I just had, had um, I think about 8,000 likes, something just wow. tremendous. I could have never pictured, you know, even last month. It was from my new book that's coming out. And it's kind of a resource I've put together over the last, you know, so many years being an engineer every place uh, you, you can find a job. And I've left a few things out because I go into a deeper discussion in the book, but basically anywhere from hired to Glassdoor to angel list, you know, to going on Twitter, posting, you know, job tweet. And I have this tremendous list. It's uh, I think 60 different websites where you can find different types of jobs, whether it's remote or JavaScript. And I was keeping that in my book. And I was like, this is gonna be something that, you know, you'll have to get the book to find out more. And I realized so many people reached out to me asking for help about that, that it was going to be so much more powerful if I just gave it away free. Mm -hmm. So it took a while to craft up that tweet, but I ended up just giving it away and it just had a tremendous amount of impact. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And, and that's, you know, a resource for people to, uh, that, that would be helpful for people in a you know, material way, right? If they're able to use that to get a better job or what have you. Um, do you find that that's the kind of content that really resonates with people, I suppose? Or is there a particular type of, you know, content in a tweet that's going to do better uh, versus maybe some that won't do so well? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, you kind of have to imagine you're writing a blog post whenever mm -hmm. you write a tweet and just condense that down. That's kind of how I see it now. Like, how can I provide a ton of value to people? Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so maybe what we could uh, we could discuss now is like, why is it that you are interested, I suppose, in, in building a Twitter audience? And, and I guess it, maybe it's maybe it's a little <laughs> bit meta and maybe it gets, you know, maybe maybe <laughs> to a, a philosophical place. But, you know, I've thought about this a lot. Like there are those that approach Twitter uh, as a place to go and hang out and maybe just like share what they're thinking and, and uh, have some discussion with people around them. Uh, others use it as a platform to, you know, amplify their voice, etc. Um, what's your take? Like what, what's, uh, what's in it for you, I, I suppose, when you're building your audience? Yeah. So before I had an audience a few years ago, yeah, I was getting some speaking opportunities and, you know, some things were coming my way. And then when I started focusing more on building an online presence, you know, even in the last few months, I started just getting so many more opportunities, uh, mm. podcasts such as this one, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> conferences, you know, meetups, and frankly, even like job offers. I have nice. a lot more companies reaching out, like you know, Google and LinkedIn, Facebook, and I don't even have the time to respond to all those emails anymore. And that didn't happen to me, you know, when I have relatively the same skills 
as you know six months ago mm-hmm. hopefully a little more than six months ago <laughs> but it's just building you know that kind of audience and creating online credibility just creates so many more opportunities right yeah well yeah i mean it, it totally makes sense i suppose that uh and i've often wondered too if it like if it differs depending on the kind of audience that you're building maybe the composition of your audience if that makes sense like I've wondered about that, right? Like my audience, it's you know, it's pretty small, but it's it's largely uh, either folks that are interested in particular tech topics that I, I chat about often, uh, stuff related to the courses that I put out, stuff about React and Angular and that sort of thing, or people who are interested in the podcast. Um, and you know, I wonder, uh, I kind of wonder about sort of the the makeup of my audience and, and whether or not well one thing I, I i do often think about is like when does an audience start to maybe go stale a little bit um versus uh, an audience that might like be with you for the long run so i guess i i think about like building an email list i when you build an email list it's easy for um the those who have signed up to your email list long ago uh, who maybe you haven't provided value to in a while to just kind of like become disinterested in what you're you know, maybe yeah. emailing them about, right? And I wonder if it's like that with Twitter. I, I don't know if it's the same kind of environment, if people are maybe a little bit less uh, prone to going stale, as it were. But um, anyway, do you have any thoughts on that? Versus, Because I guess what I'm getting at is like, you've built an audience quite quickly and there are those on Twitter who do so. And I wonder if that's almost like this sort of flash traffic that is prone perhaps in the future to becoming disengaged uh, more easily than if you were to build up a following kind of more organically over the course of you know a longer time period. Have you, have you ever put any thought towards that? I'm just curious as to what others might, might think about that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'll have to find out in a year or so for sure. But... Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think I'm focused on both. Like I've been really lucky in the last month, you know, to reach kind of the audience that I wanted to reach. But I'm also, you know, focusing on the future of creating blog posts, creating courses and books, things that give out value, you know, in other ways besides just Twitter. Yep. But yeah, that's that's a really great question. I think one of the things that it took a lot out of me in the last month because I was giving resume reviews away for free. Mm, right. And that created just a really loyal fan base right away. And I was blown away with just how grateful people are if you know you take the time to provide value to them individually. Yep. And now I have, you know, some really awesome loyal fans that have already, you know, pre-ordered my book and are really excited about That's seeing cool. what I do in the future. It's really lucky. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that's that's uh, certainly valuable. It's beneficial to, to grow your audience for all the reasons um, that you've mentioned. Maybe um, we could chat about your book now. So you've got uh, you got a couple books uh, that are either published or in the works. Uh, talk to me about your. I, I guess talk to me about both of them. Uh, maybe we could start with your O'Reilly book. What is it that you've got published with O'Reilly? Yes. Uh, so my O'Reilly book is all about blockchain, building smart contracts with Ethereum. And that came out last year, and it was definitely a very involved process mm. working with the publisher. I had really had no idea. In fact, my mom, when I, she found out I signed the book deal, she was like, you're going to completely regret this. Oh, no. You hate writing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. Okay. And she was right. I, I did regret it in some days when it was a really, really, the deadline was very short to get the yeah. book out. So we started, I think, around in May, and they wanted, you know, an October release and ended wow. up coming out in December. So okay. a little bit delayed, <laughs> but I was really lucky that they had kind of approached me and then another publisher had approached me at the same time. So I kind of discussed both deals and I 
hmm. went with the one that I had kind of uh, met the co-author on that one before, so it really worked out. Okay, gotcha. What, like, how did they come across you as a potential author for that topic? Yeah, so that was one of my other endeavors, uh, was basically <laughs> building an audience through, you know, speaking at conferences and creating blog posts. And I had spoken at this conference, it was the first one, TruffleCon, hmm. that from Consensus. And it was really impactful because it was, you know, it was the first one of its kind hosted by a big company. And then suddenly a lot of opportunities started coming my way because of that. So there was just a ton of value added just by finding kind of a unique thing to kind of specialize in, which mm. is something I actually talk about in the book, how important that is. You know, before that, I didn't really have big companies reaching out to me quite at the same you know amount I have now. And it right. was just huge to add, have that in my kind of repertoire. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. And so uh, that's a, that's an interesting uh, kind of thing you went through, where you you sort of were picking between two uh, major uh, major publishers uh, to you know go with one of them for for this book. What uh, what tipped things in favor of O'Reilly for you? Well, I think it was kind of my lifelong dream to be an O'Reilly author, and kind of more you know a pipe dream because I didn't even go to college to become an engineer. Hmm. I had just been reading their books as long as I could remember I was yeah. a kid and thinking they were just incredible. And that definitely was a significant reason in kind of tipping the scales and just, yeah, they have their books are so high quality. It's just such an honor yeah. to be an O'Reilly author. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They, they definitely stand out in my mind as sort of the probably top publishing house in terms of like tech, uh, books, I, I would think they're at least n near the top, if not at the top. So that uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, were there any sort of, um, I mean, looking back at the possible deals between the two, was there anything that was like super attractive about the the other publishing house, or was it sort of just like all in on O'Reilly for you? <laughs> uh, so for the other publishing house, they were offering me, you know, my own deal. I would have been the sole author on that book. Mm. And in a way that was super attractive, but it was also very unattractive because mm. I had, you know, just started a new job. I was house hunting. I had just adopted a puppy. So in a way I kind of, I needed something that was a little less work. Gotcha. So joining the O'Reilly book had, you know, a little more stability. Right, yeah. And so you're you're self-publishing now for your new book, and it sounds like, yes. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's sort of like in pre-launch right now, um, you're, you're finishing it up, but you've pre-launched it, and it's all self-published, right? Yes, it's completely self-published, and I just started kind of the pre-sale, which I'm really excited about, and then it launches uh, June 23rd. Awesome. So what's this book all about? This is, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of targeting this one uh, towards developers, helping them land jobs, it sounds like, right? Yeah, I'm trying to do everything from acing the interview to where you can find a job to how you can stand out. Uh, one of the things that it's, I've been working on it since I think February, seems like this whole year has been kind of a blur, <laughs> maybe longer at this point. <laughs> but one of the things that I really noticed in working on building my audience is that developers don't know how to brand themselves very well. Mm. And I was lucky enough that my mom works in branding and she has her own company. And that was very helpful to me when I wanted to start yeah. out as an engineer. It was I got my first engineering job in two weeks after a boot camp wow. because I was able to, you know, use the strategies she had taught me. And that's kind of something I realized on Twitter that engineers don't have. They don't really know how to build a really great looking resume and mm. how you can reach out you know, do a cold email to a company. So I just thought it was something missing. Mm -hmm. 
Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. What's uh, What are some things that engineers should be doing to brand themselves better? Any kind of top tips? Yeah. Uh, creating a robust blog is kind of the, one of the number one things I talk about. Also finding something like blockchain that there's not a ton of people in it and it's kind of like the wild, wild west of engineering. Mm. So it's really easy to kind of stand out in that. Yeah. 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 That, that, that makes sense. I, I think what I've heard a lot um, of people say who are talking about the same kind of thing is like a good way to maybe I guess it's, it gets into branding yourself, but but a good way to stand out, let's just say, is to take um, two maybe popular things that are in the engineering realm and sort of like have specialize where they intersect uh, more or less, um, because there could be a lot of people great at you know whatever framework and a lot of people great at some aspect of web development, but where those two intersect, maybe you've, maybe that's a super important topic, but you find fewer engineers who are really specialized in the area. Would, would you suggest that as a good way to look at it too? Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Um, so this book, you are self-publishing it, like we've mentioned, what's, um, what's the, I suppose, biggest reason to be self-publishing now, as opposed to going with a, uh, with a publishing house? This is, uh, you know, not everyone has the experience of going, uh, those who are, who are published, uh, not everyone has the experience of doing both. Um, so I'm curious about your thoughts as to why switch it up for, for this time around. Yeah, I think this time around, I wanted a little more control. I mean, there are some really great benefits to working with you know, a publisher like O'Reilly that editing that they provided was incredible and just I grew I grew as a writer tremendously yeah. just under their kind of mentorship and everything that I learned was so helpful but this time around I kind of wanted a little more control and it's awesome we have tools like Gumroad now and you yeah. can just you know launch a book and you also it's kind of about the same experience when you were you know you publishing yourself it's a lot harder so that mm -hmm. was also something that I kind of had to learn being devoted I have no editor this time around you know every week to meet with me and say are you yeah. on track with your pages so I have really had to teach myself to be really devoted every day to writing yeah yeah I suppose you have to put the pressure on yourself at this point to uh to you know make sure that it, it gets it gets done and that's something I've thought about too one, one of the things that's really helped me in uh in these kinds of um you know, deadline uh, or uh, hopeful deadline scenarios is to actually make a deadline. Like you, in my experience, making a deadline and announcing it to people that it's going to be here on a certain day, that's the point at which I will be sure to get it done uh, if, I, <laughs> if I'm if i having to uh, enforce it myself. Um, if I don't set a deadline, if I'm just like, eh, it'll be around sometime next month, uh, <laughs> next month will come and it will not be ready. So uh, I think making an actual date on the calendar, uh, putting it out there, that's that's what I found to be useful uh, <laughs> to, to help get things done. Um, what, what are some other uh, kind of key reasons to, to go on your own? I, I, one one of the reasons that uh, a lot of folks I've talked to have mentioned is at a publishing house, you get a lot of exposure. You get a lot of, um, you know, opportunity perhaps that would come from publishing, but the um, the revenues aren't aren't as good as they could be uh, if you're going uh, the self-publishing route. Is that, uh, is that a, a reason to go self-publishing this time too? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the things when I was published by O'Reilly. There was a great thing in that it I became suddenly a credible published author and that was incredible and suddenly people were coming up to me at conferences and thinking that you know I was someone which was a really nice feeling to have uh, but in terms of like you know the revenue that comes from an engineering book it's 
basically nothing. Yeah. And after I published it, I had friends come to me and they were like, wow, you're rich now. You're a published <laughs> author. And I was like, this is not a JK Rowling situation. Yeah, like, yeah. This is a tech book. There's basically, you know, nothing comes from a tech book. Yeah. Just the credibility. <laughs> the credibility aspect. Well, and maybe one thing we could chat about is I haven't really had this discussion with, with people who have been uh, published by O'Reilly or whoever before, but why is it that like the, the, the writer, the author sees such little, uh, uh, such a little proportion of revenue? Is it that the publisher themselves are taking most of it? Is that, uh, or is it just because those books sell for less than if you were to self-publish? Is there a particular reason? Well, the book price was definitely a more expensive book. It was around, I think, 59 when it came okay. out. So it's uh, not cheap. It's, it's not cheap, uh, <laughs> but the author cut is basically nothing. Right. You, okay. you, know, you can self-publish on Amazon and take you know, a huge cut. You can publish on Gumroad and take a substantial cut. Yeah. But when you're publishing with a big publishing company, there's really great, there are great benefits to it, but the percentage is basically nothing. What's like the kind of range? Like, do they, is the author cut like 20%? Is it less than that? Oh, no. No, okay. <laughs> oh, shit. I would say, yeah, or maybe 2%. <laughs> what? 2%? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Basically, oh I, yes, I went in with it with another co author, and he had published a huge engineering book before. Profoundly successful. It's something I read growing up, uh, Dave Hoover. And he said, you never do an engineering book for money. Yeah. You do it for credibility. Right. And which was true. I had a lot of opportunities that were so much more powerful than money come through. Yeah, 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 certainly there's there's the trade-offs there. And that's that's what most people I've who I've talked to about going with a publishing house have said. It's really the credibility, it's the opportunities that come as a result. And that, that will go on for years, I'm sure, for you, right? So that's like no... I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's no, uh, it's, it's, not, uh, it's, it's not something that's not trivial, right? Like it's actually an important sort of thing that you've done here, publishing your own book, and it's quite the accomplishment uh, as well. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I guess on self-publishing, what's the? Um, I mean, we talked about like how the experience is a little bit different. You have to really manage your own time. You got to manage your own sort of deadlines, maybe incremental deadlines. Anything else that was not so expected uh, going the self-publishing route? You know, one thing I imagine is that like you are responsible not only for the words you write, but probably also you you had people in the past working on like I don't know like the assets for the book right like maybe images or like other sort of like graphs and charts perhaps something like that but you now you're responsible for all of that uh yourself i, I would assume anything that you found to be sort of different maybe unexpected like that oh just how much work would go into it i mean obviously writing an o'reilly book there's very strict standards for how you can do things and how you can write things and the editing process alone took months but this time around even picking a cover was really hard. Picking the title, actually, I just went through a title change okay. <laughs> after I had some feedback. So that was really interesting because, you know, with O'Reilly, they pick the title for you. I see. And, you know, the outline is very structured by them. But this time around, I had some people reach out to me and they were like, I think your title could be a little more clear. Hmm. And, you know, I had never thought about that. I thought, yeah, this is the title I want. This is the title that I saw, you know, six months ago when I started right. writing. And then after you know I got that feedback again and again, it's like okay I can change the title. It was really awesome having that power to just say I'm going to completely yeah. retitle my book. What was the before and after for the title? <laughs> it was definitely before and after. <laughs> uh, so the first title was Land Your Developer Dream Job, 
And I didn't really realize at the time that she sounds too geared towards beginners. Okay. And my book is more for developers who are currently looking. And so the title now I'm pretty <laughs> excited about it. And it makes it a little more clear that, you know, it's who it's for. It's the standout developer and cool. I have a more clear subtitle. And it's great because with the pre-sale, I was able to find this out instead of just launching and, you know, kind of feeling embarrassed that I had to change my title. I was able to figure this out yeah. pre-sale, which is another thing, you know, you can't do with a big publisher. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. That's something about like self-publishing that I've, um, I've come to uh, really like is that you can be kind of scrappy like that and it doesn't matter. In fact, it probably only helps you in the long run. Yeah. Like going through a title <laughs> change, uh, some would think like, oh, that just looks sloppy or something like that. But I don't think so. I think it's like it's a sign that you're iterating in a way that is uh, valuable, right, for your for your audience. And so that's I think that's really cool. Maybe that's something we could chat about, actually, is the pre-launch stuff that you've done. Um, I've never pre-launched something. Um, I've only ever done sort of just like launch when ready. Uh, what what do we what should we know about pre-launching stuff? Like what's what what's involved there? Is it uh, is it easy peasy? Like you set up a pre-launch and you get <laughs> lots of revenue in, and that makes you more motivated to finish the thing? Or are there unexpected surprises people should be uh, should 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 know about? Well, yeah, it kind of leads back to one of the things we discussed earlier: just setting that date hmm. and having you know revenue already coming in was just so motivating and. I've had this book close to done for quite a while now, but I just couldn't bring myself to say, oh, this is going to be the date. Right. And I kept perfecting it and perfecting it and adding more and more and trying to just, I want to provide enough you know, value that people walk away really happy with their purchase yeah. and that they want to come back and you know, read more that I create in the future. And that was kind of something, it just putting that date on it gave me the deadline that I needed to just get it done. And so just, immediately pushed everything forward. Yep. So that was kind of a great unexpected benefit. I just kind of thought, okay, this is gonna give me accountability, but it just really helped me push to finish it all up. That's really cool. Um, is, uh, does it come with any, so one thing that I've wondered is, is whether it comes with some kind of um, anxiety perhaps that rides with you throughout <laughs> the process, because like I, a thought that I've had before when I when it comes to publishing things and launching on a certain date is like, well, if it all just like fails by the end of it, I can just cancel it. And, you know, people might be a little bit miffed, but they probably won't care. And, you know, I'll save myself some embarrassment. Um, but I imagine that if you pr you're pre-launching and you're taking people's money at the top, it's like, oh, crap, I've really got to deliver now. Is that uh, does that sit with you in that kind of way or do you just kind of not even think about it oh i definitely felt a ton of anxiety i mean the, the process with o'reilly that was far more anxiety inducing than i ever thought it could be possible just the amount of you know stress of getting something out and you don't want to embarrass o'reilly yeah. you cannot embarrass o'reilly <laughs> but <laughs> so i think having that kind of you know my back pocket this time around i felt definitely more confident but also this is something that just has my name on it now. Yeah. And I want people to get this and be thrilled that they have it and wish that they had it, you know, three years ago, five years ago. Okay. So definitely, yeah, I don't know if you can hear it, my voice. I have anxiety now about it, but <laughs> I'm also like very proud of it at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, and I'm sure it'll, it'll be awesome. Um, 
what's uh yeah fingers crossed i'm sure i'm sure it'll it'll go go smashingly um if if folks are interested in uh self-publishing maybe we can start there what's like uh what would you recommend given this you know what you've been through now both uh on the publishing house side and self-publishing what's a good way to get started or like maybe what what is some maybe pre-work even that people should do before they approach uh, a self-published book yeah it's a great question uh I think focusing on credibility and building an audience. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who go out there and they start creating a product and they have no idea if it's going to resonate or not. Hmm. And that was something I definitely did not want to do. I kind of been working on idle projects, you know, for the last year and nothing kind of that I ever wanted to launch. And until I started focusing, you know, this year on building an audience and seeing what people were interested in, I didn't really have any, you know, tremendous ideas that I was really excited about. And right. I. I've wanted to be an author for my entire life, but I never really had the push to create something until I had this, you know, self-publishing credibility from the last book that lead, led me to have an audience. So right. once I kind of found my audience and people started asking me questions and I started providing value, I just clearly had three products on the roadmap that I wanted, mm -hmm. you know, get out there to help people. So I think that's kind of the number one thing is finding out what you know how you can add value to people's lives and yeah. what do you what do you have to share that's like special and unique right yeah and i guess getting back to the twitter audience building stuff we were talking about um was your was it your goal to with any of the audience building that you've been doing to validate topics for a book uh or was that maybe just more of like a byproduct from uh, talking about stuff that you know would you say uh, yeah, I actually went into it having no idea that this would be <laughs> something that would help me validate a product. I just right. kind of thought, why don't I go out there and just so many people have helped me in the past. Why don't I yeah. go try to share what I've learned with them? And people started reaching out kind of with the same questions. And that actually led me to create my very first uh, guide, which came out uh, December of last year, which mm -hmm. was free and about 50 pages of just how you can go from, you know, zero to 60 in engineering. Right. Because that was the number one question that people asked, like, you know, what resources are there? How do I use Git? And I just gave it away free because that was something that so many people wanted. And I didn't even realize at the time how I could use an audience to kind of find out what people wanted. And it just kind of happened very in a great way this year. Yeah, that's excellent. That's really cool. Um, so if uh, I guess on the Twitter topic as well, um, if someone is wanting to approach uh, Twitter in, in terms of using it to build an audience, you know, get their message out there, um, but they're feeling that maybe they don't, because I think this is kind of common, is like folks will get on Twitter, want to build an audience, but not really necessarily be confident that they have um, something that's like worthwhile to say or be talking about a lot. Yeah. How do you, what would you recommend as a good way to like know whether your topic of expertise or of interest is one that's going to resonate. I mean, there's like, you know, you can get out there and just be tweeting about stuff. But if you've got a small audience to begin with, it's not like you're going to see a lot of uh, engagement, perhaps right off the bat, even if the stuff you have is really interesting. Um, is there any like good way, good hacks to to know if you should sort of keep going, I guess, and, and keep hammering away your message, your expertise, your viewpoint, or uh, or maybe call it a day. Do you have any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I think for me, I kind of felt the same way. I've been an engineer for the past five years, but 
I never really thought, oh, I'm going to be able to add a ton of value to other people's lives. So I didn't even try. Mm. And then I didn't get better at it because I was never trying. So it's kind of this vicious cycle where I didn't make an effort to build an audience or credibility or speak at meetups. So I think it's really important just to take that first step and just start tweeting and kind of like how I learned in the last month, even, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I gained 8,000 followers was I stopped tweeting things that people didn't want. Mm. And, you know, that sounds easy, but it was really hard to kind of figure out and go back to my old tweets and be like, well, this didn't resonate. So did you do that? Like you did kind of an audit of your tweet history to see what worked well, what didn't? Yes. Okay. I have to tell you, yeah, last year's were not great, I have to say. Okay. <laughs> this so year's like, definitely what, resonated a lot more. <laughs> what What are, do you have any examples of like what a, a tweet would be that didn't resonate so well from last year? Yeah. Um, or like not, maybe not specific, <laughs> like, but just even on the like particular, like what you would have been talking about or what kind of tweet. I'm, I'm always curious about this. Like yeah. what, because sometimes I'll tweet something and I'll be like, okay, this seems like a good tweet. This might do, do <laughs> decently and it, it flops. And then other tweets where I don't expect it to do well at all. And all of a sudden it's a big, you know, popular tweet. Oh, yeah. That always happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, last year I had had something really awesome happened that I, you know, I got this O'Reilly book deal and it was my lifelong dream. Mm-hmm. And I look back at my tweets and I didn't talk about the process. Mm. I didn't talk about, you know, what I was going through, how it felt and just the experience. And I didn't add any value at all. I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, here's my book. It's out. It's going to be out in a week. Here it is. And that tweet has, you know, relatively no value, especially because mm. a lot of people are not interested in blockchain. And I would have would have been so much more impactful if I would have just shared the journey hmm. and how it was signing a book deal and how it is working with an editor and potentially ways people could learn, you know, from my experience to self-publish themselves. Yep. So I think I just missed out on a ton of opportunities there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sharing the process as you're sort of in it or after, I guess. That seems like, yeah, that that's, that's wise. Yeah. Because like you said, even if people aren't so much interested in the specific topic that you've written about your insights about like what it's like to be an author. That's, that is of interest to a much broader audience, I suppose. Hey, that's yeah. cool. So that was a huge missed opportunity. Mm. Well, now, you know, is that, um, yeah. <laughs> is that the kind of stuff that you learned directly from Daniel's course? Shout out to Daniel, by the way, if Daniel's listening, I think he listens to this, uh, this podcast. Uh, so hello, Daniel. I've heard that. Uh, so yeah, is that something that you would have, uh, picked up directly from his course? And I guess maybe, maybe talk to me about some of the things, the important parts from his course that were really key. I guess I know he he talks about a few things, right? Like it's sharing your expertise and and your journey, like we've been talking about, I think, but it's also like, you know, tactical stuff, like, uh, replying early to people who have a, a large audience to, you know, get into the sort of right below their tweet as it were. Um, uh, what else does he say? It, I, mean, I mean, you can fill me in, but it's it's stuff like um, uh, kind of creating really thoughtful threads that are that dive into your domain expertise, right? Um, so, what what are the important parts from this course that we should know about? Yeah, so I think you know we already discussed building credibility is a huge one, creating some awesome blog post, or maybe sharing that you just became a published author and how that process was. That was kind of a huge one, and. It was crazy because I watched the first I think, 20 minutes of his course and I got busy and I used that for three weeks and I got 8,000 followers. Wow. And only I think two weeks ago, I even finished the rest of his course, which was crazy. Usually I'm not like a 
you know, I would finish an online course, but it just, it got so blown up for me that I didn't even have time to finish this course oh. until recently, which was insane. That's how good it is right, <laughs> right from the beginning. Yeah, I think, but building credibility is a huge one. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, discussing things people are interested in and giving instead of just asking all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how, do, uh, I suppose, like, how, do, how does that uh, look tactically, though, on Twitter? Like, uh, gaining credibility, giving giving people, you know, stuff for free. Um, are there any particular, like, uh, strategies for, like, I don't know, when to tweet or um, sort of like making a tweet that's like a reply to other people's tweets, you know, all these sort of like maybe seemingly um, minute things that are, I guess, more strategy things. Anything that you'd recommend that way? Yeah, oddly, uh, I don't really think about times to tweet. And that's one thing Hmm. Daniel talks about. He just focuses on tweeting something interesting. And it's very true because I had a technical interview thread where I just posted all of my favorite resources for preparing for a developer interview. And I posted that, I think, didn't even think about it. It was maybe 7, 8 p.m. at night. Yeah. Uh, you know, went to bed, didn't think about it again. Checked the next morning, I had like 3,000 likes already. Wow. And that was just, you know, overnight. So I think it's more about, you know, building great content mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, focusing or worrying too much about the medium or, you know, what time you're posting. Yeah. And it feels more, uh, I guess, honest in a way as well, instead of just, you know, focusing yeah. on getting the likes. Instead, you're helping, focusing on helping people. Yeah, totally. Your your uh, new book, would you say that the audience coming to it is mostly from your Twitter audience or are they coming from other places too? Um, so it's something I'm curious about because I am I'm I, I just put out a video course about like security for React applications and I'm gearing okay. up to do a pro course uh, pretty soon here. And you know I've I've had a decent sized email list for a while, but most of the interest now to this course is coming directly through Twitter, which I, um, you know, I've always heard the advice in the past that like Twitter is not a great place to market a product because I've you know, heard that too, right? If you just do it like most marketers do and put put a tweet up every now and then, not that many people are going to see it. And I've never thought of Twitter as a place to engage with and really, uh, I guess, cultivate an audience in the same way that you might with a blog or an email list. Um, so all that to say, I, I wonder if, well, first of all, our, our mo- I think you said most of your, your uh, audience to the book is coming from Twitter. Um, do you, I don't know, do you think that we're in sort of this like new era where Twitter is, Twitter is the, the best way to build an audience? Yeah, absolutely. I had that free guide come out in December, just focused, you know, towards new engineers, and it got a thousand downloads almost immediately. And that was just, you know, from word of mouth on Twitter it's and Twitter a blog post. Yeah, I had uh, I had done one blog post, and I, you know, just posted it on Twitter, and then suddenly it just blew up. So that was super exciting. And I kind of had, I went into it with the same thing, like, oh, you have to have an email list, yeah. which you do. You should absolutely have an email list. But you know, my email list. It's great, but, and I offer, you know, discounts there first because I think those are, you know, your really loyal followers, mm-hmm. but something about Twitter, you're, you know, you're interacting and you're getting to know someone and that's kind of how I've created this audience and it mm-hmm. just feels more personal and yeah. more valuable in a way. That's really cool. What about other platforms like LinkedIn? Are you putting any effort there? I know that's sort of like, 
It seems to some people it seems like this kind of boneyard of a place, but I think it's actually like I've noticed there's a lot uh, there's a lot going on there these days, especially around tech that I I wouldn't have expected uh, a couple of years ago. I yeah. wouldn't have expected it to be such like a bustling place of you know conversation and activity. Um, anyway, all uh, anything you're doing on LinkedIn? So I'm not doing much on LinkedIn. I think I kind of use different tools differently in a way because. You know, it's all still social media, but on LinkedIn, I've used that in the past to mostly get jobs. And that was one of the reasons I was able to get a developer job so quickly when mm. I started out, you know, just by having a really great LinkedIn profile, filling out everything, having you know robust connections and link. Uh, basically, if you rank high in search on LinkedIn, it's great to get a job. Yeah. Uh, but for kind of what I'm focusing on now and building an audience, it just really hasn't been valuable to me yeah. uh, basically at all. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool, cool. Well, um, that's probably a good place to start wrapping things up. Uh, before we go, though, let's um, let's maybe lay it out for people where they can find uh, stuff of yours online because we've chatted about a lot of uh, the stuff that you've published and a lot of your resources. So let's maybe start with uh, your O'Reilly book. What's the best way for people to check that out? Yeah, so if you go to my website, randallcanna.com, I have a little link there where you can We'll read kind of the about me about the book, and then you can also go to Amazon and purchase it. Purchase it there directly. Okay, Amazon, and then your. So we got your website. Uh, what about your your new book coming out? Is there a direct link? Yeah, that's going to be on Gumroad. I can send that over to you. Okay, perfect. We'll link that up in the show notes. People can check out. I'm sure your Twitter. Um, you check you out on Twitter. I'm sure that's probably the best place to follow along with your publishing. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? Yes, just Randall Canna. Randall Canna. All right, we'll link that up as well. Cool. Any other places that you'd like uh, people to check things out? No, I think that's about it. Okay, awesome. We'll link all of that up. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat about your experience building an audience on Twitter. I'm uh, very happy for you that it's it's grown so well, and uh, very happy that you're self-publishing. I wish you all the best with uh, you know coming up to finishing that and the launch. And I'll certainly make some noise about it on Twitter when it when it happens. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me today. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much once again for tuning into the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. This has been episode 32 with Randall Canna. You can find show notes, including links to all the resources that Randall mentioned at ecpodcast.io. If you'd like to follow along on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash coderpodcast. And if you'd like to subscribe, you can go to ecpodcast.io slash subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would be awesome if you could leave a rating and review. Until next time, happy hacking.